The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of The Bright Side. I'm going to start this week per usual with a list of some of my bright spots of this week, one of which was rediscovering my essential oil diffuser, which had been packed away in a box for almost two years now. I found it at my old house as I was kind of sifting through things to decide what I wanted to bring to the new one. And I found the diffuser and a bunch of essential oils. So I've been running that nonstop in the bedroom at my new place. That made me really happy. We decided last night to do a fondue night and I don't know if everyone's familiar with the melting pot, but it was always a special occasion restaurant in my family. And the melting pot's a fondue restaurant and it's been shut down since COVID began because it's all indoors, but I was feeling a little nostalgic (laughs) and I looked up some of the recipes online, which you can just Google if you Google melting pot, cheddar cheese, fondue or melting pot chocolate fondue. We got both recipes and we did a cheese course last night. We dipped carrots and broccoli, apples and bread, and we made uh, chicken sausage too. And we dipped all of that in the cheese. And then for dessert, we chopped up a bunch of strawberries and bananas and dipped them in chocolate. And oh my gosh, it was so good. I think I'm never going to have anything for dessert ever again, but fruit dipped in chocolate because there's nothing better in the world. So that was a big highlight also. And then I had the pleasure of doing a little podcast swap with Caitlin Bristow, who you'll hear in a few minutes. And it was a real pleasure getting to know Caitlin. We've got a ton of mutual friends. So I sort of already felt like I knew her, um, even though I didn't technically, but it was really good to finally connect. I'm on her episode this week as well. So if you want to go over and listen to me, talk on hers, we got into all kinds of fun stuff stuff but I feel like the interviews were just really laid back and kind of felt like we'd already known each other for a long time so that was a pleasant surprise and another bright spot for me this week and without further ado here is the episode with Caitlin Bristow Hey, Caitlin thank you so much for being here well I wanted to congratulate you for your role hosting kind of hosting <laughs> whatever it is yeah whatever you're doing for the new bachelorette that's really exciting yeah it's so funny because I was sitting here you know in quarantine knowing I was going to be part of this next season and I was messaging producers saying like what is my role exactly what am I doing and they were like you know you're just going to be part of some dates and you're just there to support the new bachelorette and so I don't I still don't know like I think we're just really going to be there as a support system for the new bachelorette who's Katie I think we're going to be kind of mentors to her for the season maybe host a couple dates just I think it's going to be a fun new change that the show has never really had before. Yeah, I mean, I think it might be nice for The Bachelorette to have somebody to kind of bounce their thoughts off of also. I wish I would have had that. Like, sometimes all you need is a couple girls there to keep you grounded and bring you back to like your level headed space that you need to be into. And I was like, man, I would have liked a couple girls here with me. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's got to be hard to not get really in your head when you're there by yourself and you don't get to talk things through with anyone. Yeah. You've got different contestants who are telling you different things about other people and you're supposed to figure it out somehow. I know they always say to compartmentalize these relationships and you're like, I mean, that's 25 guys. Even when you're down to four, 
who, whoever in life is balancing four serious relationships where right. you're trying to remember who they are, where they come from, their family, what their like trauma has been growing up, certain things that you really learn about these guys and you're trying to compartmentalize each relationship. And then you have to show up for them in whatever ways they need you to be. And it's just, it's a very overwhelming situation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was on Nick Files podcast yeah. a few months back and I was asking him about that. Every time I watch that show, I think, how can you want to kiss each of these people and want to have these like intimate conversations with each of these people and have them be genuine, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, I think that's got to be so challenging and everybody, honestly, to everyone's credit, who's been the bachelor or bachelorette, I always feel like they do a really good job of like having those conversations. That's true. People do a good job. I don't know how though. I'm trying to think of putting myself back in that situation of how. I think it really is just, you don't believe that you could get that far with somebody if you're going that far with somebody else, but you just do. And those relationships, as hard as it is to keep up with them, they are important to you. So I feel like you really do have to shut off the other ones. And and actually that's kind of how you really pick the one at the end. It's usually the person you can't stop thinking about on the other dates. (laughs) Yeah. Right. That makes sense. Well, I think maybe also because it's such a short timeline, you know, I mean, it's a lot faster than a typical dating process. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it's almost like you don't even have time. I would think to like be overthinking so much. It's like a crash course on getting engaged like you literally you meet them you get to know their like deepest darkest things that that really like make them who they are then you meet their family then you have an overnight with them and then you get engaged it's wild it it is really wild one of the things that i'm curious about i mean i have a lot of friends who are part of like what i guess everyone refers to as bachelor nation or the yeah. bachelor fran- franchise is there a deal is it like an official i'm a part of the bachelor franchise or is that just if you've been on the show you're considered to be Yeah, I think it's just like naturally you come off the show and you're in Bachelor Nation. Okay, so you're not you're not signed to a contract that because I noticed like, for example, well, there are a lot of a lot of dramas, I feel like, and kind of situations that have come up with contestants either currently on the show or especially more recently with Lives Matter movement and everybody's kind of focus being turned to that, that Mm -hmm. the the woman Taylor who was on the show recently. Yes. I mean, I saw the comments that she made, you know, many years ago and I saw actually on Yahoo, <laughs> no surprise there. <laughs> Your favorite. You had, <laughs> that you had put out a statement addressing the comments that she had made. And I thought, oh my God, that's got to be so exhausting because you're a part of this community that anytime anyone does or says anything, who's a part yeah. of that community also, it's like somehow reflects on you or like you have to say something about it. I mean, how do you feel about that? Is that frustrating? It is exhausting. I feel like it's important. And I've have always been a kind of the kind of person that says what's on my mind. Sometimes I don't think before I speak, I just, I'm a very open book and I try and stand up for what's right. And I am sure 10 years ago, I've made mistakes too. But like when I hear things that really go against my beliefs and somebody that I think needs to be held accountable, it's so exhausting, but I feel like it's important to do so. And just to put it out there that I don't agree because nowadays, if you don't say anything, you're part of the problem. And if you don't address these situations, especially for myself in Bachelor Nation, if I don't address them, then I'm not holding somebody accountable. So it's kind of on one end, I feel like it's really important. And on the other, if anything happens, I'm like, well, great. Now I have to really digest all of this 
think about it because I don't want to just speak from emotion or I'm going to say mean things and Mm -hmm. break it down, digest it. And now I have to speak on it. It it, it feels like a really big responsibility. It is really exhausting. I feel like going on the show has become a really big responsibility in itself because, you know, I mean, I don't think the casting process is like particularly in depth. It feels like they just generally cast somewhat eligible. I mean, some of the women are obviously amazing, but it's not like mm-hmm. ruling process. It's like you're, you're choosing people kind of out of nowhere. And then all of a sudden they're on this like public pedestal where everybody's analyzing everything they're doing. And then from there on going forward, it's like, you're a part of this community and you're like an instant celebrity and everything you ever did is now up for people to kind of pick apart. And that's a lot of people coming in and out of the show. You know, that's, they do Bachelor, Bachelor in Paradise. They had another one at one point, the Winter Games. That's a lot of people to try and dig into, you know, who they are and their past. That many people. Like, you don't read every tweet that they ever posted. You can't. Right. Yeah. It's, it's really hard to do that, but then you'd think they should have a more in-depth process, but they can only go so far with casting. Yeah, no, I know. I just think it's so interesting because it's like all of a sudden now, because it's like a community that you're associated with, you're like expected to have some kind of input or responsibility related to what everyone has ever done or said. Yep. Yeah. It's a lot. It's, it's a huge responsibility. I remember being like, but I didn't sign up for this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, It really is a lot. I mean, you, I think you're an example of somebody who's done incredibly well. Like you really, not to say you took advantage of the situation, but you like made the most of the situation. Mm -hmm. Thank you. It's like, you know, you just, you came in, you did, you had your place on the show. And then all of a sudden it's like, you've gone on to do Dancing with the Stars. You've got your wine company, you've got your podcast. I mean, you've just been able to really make so much happen. And now you're about to host slash whatever slash not host I don't know what it is yeah thank you for saying all that it's it was so wild because I think a lot of people don't want to admit or say out loud that they didn't go on the show for love because you want to be that person that is like I went on for love for all the right reasons but I really went into it and I was honest about it that I was like, I'm really going for an opportunity. Like if I fall in love, like what an incredible bonus, but I want to build a brand. I want to like do something and I, I want to do something greater in my life and have a name to do so. What were you doing prior to your first time on the show? I had just got my um, certificate to teach spin because I loved spin. And so I wanted to teach it. So I did that. And then I also worked at a restaurant that was uh, I, I miss it all the time. And I still have dreams every week that I still work there, but I loved it so much. I helped open a couple restaurants in Canada, this place called Cactus Club. It's if anyone goes to Canada, just go there. It's the vibe is incredible. The food's incredible. It's so fun. And so I used to, I would train servers and bartenders um, and help open the restaurants there. And that was kind of what my plan was going to be. I really wanted to be the GM and like really move up in, in that world because I enjoyed it. Now, looking back, I'm like, I couldn't have done that. It was so draining and like exhausting. And there's a lot of drama, which is also a part of the world that I'm in today, but <laughs> in a much different way. But yeah, so I worked at a restaurant and then I also helped my girlfriend, Erin Trelore. She is the founder of Raw Beauty Talks, which is a platform that she created because she had gone through like her body image struggles and disorders. And she really wanted to make a platform for other people to celebrate their bodies and different shapes and colors. And she's done an incredible job with it. And it was so cool because I would help her with it when I was, you know, working other jobs and didn't have a platform at all. 
because I loved what she was doing. And now to come off the show, I was so grateful that I could have a podcast, have her on, talk about what she's doing. And now I don't take credit for her platform, but she's gotten so such a great community through it. And it's just so incredible to see. So I was doing, I was doing that before, but I just knew I wanted to go do something that was going to create more opportunities. Had you ever done any kind of hosting or anything before? No, no, no. Cause you're obviously very good at it. I was always like, if you ask any of my friends, when I lived in Vancouver, what I was like, <laughs> I was just like a, a wild child. I never knew how I was going to pay rent. I'd always just figure it out. I would just do whatever I wanted, go wherever I wanted. I got up and like chased a hockey player for a hot minute there and like just moved across to Germany and Newfoundland and Winnipeg. And I was just always like a risk taker in everything that I did. And I always felt like I wanted my own show growing up. So it was really interesting the way this all happened because I would have, I never thought I would be the bachelorette because when I went on the bachelor, I was just not like the the rest of the bachelorettes. They're always like the American girl next door, like, and, and there's nothing wrong with that, but it wasn't me. I like came in, I was always swearing. I was getting drunk. I was like, so edgy. I was Canadian. And I was just like, I'm here for a good time. Like, I'm just going to be myself. They would never pick me to be the bachelorette when they did. I was like, are you sure? <laughs> Are you sure you want to give that to me? But hey, I, yeah, well, I, I think it's good. This is what I hope that the bachelor and bachelorette do more of going forward. And it kind of sounds like the the current bachelorette will be along the same lines, like yes. somebody who brings a little bit more edge to the show. Cause I think that people it's refreshing, you know, you mm-hmm. want to who's like that. I mean, you were a great bachelorette. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, it was fun, but I think you're right. People are craving authenticity right now on TV. Like I think people are craving a refreshing love story, people who are going to date all shapes, colors, and sizes, which is Katie. That's her jam. Like that's why I think she's going to be incredible bachelorette. She's just very intelligent. She's well-spoken and she's just a great choice for bachelorette. I want to talk about one of my favorite things to ask my guests on here, because I feel like it always makes me feel sort of inspired is what some of your bright spots recently have been. Okay. This is going to be a different one. I took a anti-oppression course yesterday it was heavy stuff, but what I took away from it was, was a lot of hope. And I learned to look up where you are in the world, like what, whose land you're on and find out because we're, I mean, we're on stolen land to find out whose land we're on and to give them money and, and acknowledge that you're on their land, that you're enjoying it. And that you're here, of course you get to work and have fun and play and do all these things and to acknowledge where you are and where that land came from. And I'm now going to the show to say like, Hey, could we put a little money towards there's three. And I, I don't want to say them without pronouncing them. Right. So I'm not going to, but just putting money towards it and making a change in, in that little way. And I think that was either native American tribes. Is that what you're? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, that was something I feel like that was bright that I took away from that of just something to acknowledge in the future that I I wouldn't have thought about sadly before. Yeah. That's, that's actually really cool. That's really interesting. And actually that, and that's such a good thing to think about, like in terms of being present and grateful, I think in the moment, one of the things when I was living in, in Malibu, actually, that I really loved learning was 
the history of the Chumash Indians because they had originally occupied all of Malibu and that entire coastline. And now they're kind of, their reservation is sort of relegated to a little further north by Santa Barbara. But I read this whole book about the history of that area and I thought it was so amazing. And it definitely gave me a much greater appreciation for them and for their culture and for exactly everything that they have sacrificed and like the way that their lives have changed because of everybody coming in and just developing all this land that was once, you know, I mean, the, the Santa Monica mountains used to have snow and mountain lions and like, it was a whole, an entirely different rain and an entirely different existence a hundred years ago. Not that long. That's crazy. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's really, I, I mean, I think history is very interesting in general, but I do think to your point, like being grateful and acknowledging that history and like really taking the time to understand where you're standing. Yeah, exactly. Any other highlights? Well, I'm sure becoming the host, which we talked about. Yeah, that that's a fun <laughs> highlight that I'm like here. You know, what's interesting though, is it's a little bit triggering for me to be back because I had a really hard time on the show as much fun and how great and the opportunity, everything was magical looking back and it's given me everything that I have, but it was a really, really difficult process for me. And I, I've lost so much hair through the process just from being so low and stressed out. I was so excited to be back. And then it was so interesting just having like, you know, talking to the producers and being back in the world. I was, oh wait, this is supposed to be bright, not dark, Caitlin. <laughs> well, that's okay. Because we also often talk about dark things that end up being positive in the long run. <laughs> yes. Okay. That's where I was actually going with that is I had one, a little meltdown here. And then I just was able to set separate it and know how long it's been and look around. I have my two dogs and I'm just so obsessed with them and my boyfriend. And we were just like all dancing in the kitchen the other day, just in the moment, like dancing. And we do that quite often. And I feel like that was kind of a, like a bright spot in my week of just really enjoying my time and being grateful for an opportunity to be here and that I have the supportive boyfriend and lovely dogs that just get to come with me and we just be in the moment and dance in the kitchen. How much of your, your life has evolved since so much on the show? I mean, that's in every way. Do you feel like you have more insight in terms of the production and kind of like overall what's going on? I think, yeah, the curtain was lifted a little bit as The Bachelorette, but now I know it will be more so. But I mean, we haven't started filming yet, so I don't exactly know what it's going to look like. But I think I do have a different perspective that it is at the end of the day, like this is also a business and that is their job and it is to make TV. And I, I don't really think I put myself in that thought process when I was on the show, but I'm able to now. Yeah, I've had moments like that with filming The Hills where you know, you personally might feel so frustrated about something because a lot of the storyline revolves around your life. Yeah. But in those moments where I'm feeling frustrated or sort of, you know, like my privacy is being invaded or whatever the the emotion is in that moment, I have to remind myself, like, I'm not the only person working here, you know, like there's an entire team of producers and all the way down the line to every single person who's helping on that production, which is a lot of people, everybody is just trying to make a good show. And, you know, it's easy to get frustrated, but then I'll think how frustrated must they be? You know what I mean? Like if I'm cold, I'm sitting here, I think I'm cold and miserable. They've got to be, it's, they've been out here for two hours longer than I have. It's so true. It's interesting to look at it. Like these are also their jobs. Cause I remember being so bitter after the show and I didn't ever think to thank all of the camera crew 
and all of the people behind the scenes that made this all happen, that were there for me, that were showing up for me to make the show. And I felt so guilty after I sent out so many emails <laughs> and like text messages, just saying, you know what? Thank you. I was late all the time. I was so disrespectful sometimes because I was so exhausted and tired and felt drained and not thinking that other people were going, they were trying to like have a job and provide for their families. And here I am just thinking it is all about me, which it's a little bit about you, even though you're the lead, but it's a lot about everything else that goes into it. (laughs) I know it's just, it's hard. Yeah. Like, I mean, you, you forget, I think at times, or at least I have, I've had to really remind myself of that. I'm not better than any other person here. And I need to make sure that I remember, you know, to like really be grateful for everyone who's working on the show. Yeah. Uh, and that totally, ch- I, for me, it changed my whole outlook, even on the process. And I yeah. was like, you know what? Like, if you look at this as a collaborative project, it actually is it's a lot more fun. So true. That's a good way to look at it. I wish I had that. However, five years ago, whenever that was that I was on the show, I wish, but also at the same time, I think it was better that I was a little naive at the same time. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, probably for them. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, for sure. It made a great season. (laughs) I know. Well, they have, they do have the benefit on that show of like not having seasoned contestants or seasoned people on the show. Mm -hmm. Because it's like you, I mean, I remember my, definitely my first season of the Hills things, they got a lot further with certain things than they do now, you know, like, no, 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 no. We know what's going on. Totally. It's so true. I want to talk to you about and if you have an experience where you went through something really challenging, because this is kind of what the theme of the whole show is, is talking about a dark moment that we've been through. I think it's nice to hear about like a story, if you have one, of a time that you really felt like, you know, you weren't going to be able to get through something or something was just so overwhelming and challenging. And then ultimately it ended up being a positive for you. Yeah, it's, I don't know how many people say it was a heartbreak for them, but it was definitely a heartbreak for me. And I'll just never forget this time in my life because it was so pivotal and so dark at the same time. And those are usually the stories that, you know, the rock bottom stories that make. Well, it's funny because actually not that many people, for some reason, I don't know if it's because people feel one of the things that's so great about having you on today is that. I do feel like you're so good about just being transparent and being willing to share these really personal things. Mm -hmm. I think people really relate a lot to these, these heartbreak stories. It always feels silly to say that it was over a heartbreak because you want to believe that you're strong enough to get through a heartbreak, like a guy, you know what I mean? But it, it was a loss for me. It was a really tough loss for me because Not only did I lose the person I thought I was going to marry, but I completely lost myself in that relationship. And I was, I'm always like a pretty, like, I like to be funny. I like to just be super raw and say what's on my mind and do whatever I want. And, and this time it was like, I always had this dream of what my life would look like. And I ended up following this person's dream. And it felt like I just, wherever he needed to go, that's where I was going. I would do anything for him. And we ended up in Germany. So that's where he was playing hockey. And I was like a childlike version of myself. And I remember having out of body experiences where I was just like on the floor screaming and just didn't know why I was so depressed. And I realized it's just because I'd completely lost who I was when I was so focused on what he was doing and where he was going. And we had been together for three years and I just was turning into this person a shell of myself. Mm -hmm. And because I just was not doing, I couldn't work. I was in Germany. I couldn't speak the language. I didn't have any friends. I would go to the grocery store and I love cooking and I loved baking. And I just couldn't even 
read what any ingredients or anything was. I couldn't hear other people's conversations. I felt so alone. He was a hockey player. So he was on the road a lot. And I would just lay in bed or cry or feel like I had nothing going on. I didn't understand why he was attracted to me or why he loved me. And it just kept going downhill, downhill, downhill to the point where he was like, we can't be together anymore because you, you can't live like this. Like you, you are so miserable. And so like, I was like 90 pounds and just like, I don't even know who that person was. And so we had a really big blow up and he went to stay at like a hotel or something. Cause he couldn't even be around me. And I don't blame him at all. And in the morning he texted me and he said, you have to go. I'm not coming home until you're gone. And I had no job, <laughs> no money. I had no education. I had nowhere to go. And I had to call my mom and fly to Phoenix and move back in with my mom and my stepdad in Phoenix. And they had to take me directly to a doctor because I was so depressed. And I couldn't get out of bed. I had said, I've said this on my podcast before and that I, I ended up, he, he just gave me Valium as like, you're in a really bad place. Like, here you go. And I'd never taken anything like that before. I ended up getting addicted to it. I was just rock, rock bottom, but a little bit lower and wow. didn't know what I was going to do. I'm like, I have no plan. I'm 27. And you know, in your twenties, you think your later twenties, you should have it all figured out. But I was like, I'm 27. I have no job. I have like negative dollars in my bank account. I'm living with my parents. I'm sure that made you feel worse thinking I'm 27. Like I should have it together by now. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I had nothing. And I was like, what am I going to do? And I just had to start over. And I, after six months of being in a very dark place, I picked myself up. I went back to Vancouver. I moved in with my friend and slept on his couch. And I started working at a restaurant and I kind of found my way in this restaurant where I knew I was really good at, at that industry and where I wanted to be and what position I wanted. And I just kept trying to work my way up. I ended up finding some really great friends out of it. And then I moved to help open this other restaurant and it was close to my family. And I just started picking up the pieces, like really little pieces at a time. And it took me like I'd say even still when I was on the show, I probably wasn't over this guy. It was just a really tough loss for me. And it was just over the years, I had done so much therapy. And I think that's where the silver lining comes in is I did so much work on myself from 27 to 30. Well, now still I'm 35 and I'm still doing the work, but three years of like intense therapy, really getting to know who I am, why that relationship didn't work, what I can do to move forward. And it just helped me so much seeing a therapist every single week and learning more about how I learned that I just really did not grow up learning any coping skills. My parents were just really great parents that wanted to take care of me. And I was just never taught to cope with anything. So learning to cope, getting better with that. And then eventually that just led me to one of my best friends saying, you've taken so many risks in your life. You've done so much like for yourself, you lost yourself. Yes. But like you have so much more life to live. What are you going to do? And she was like, I just see you going on the bachelor. And I was like, they're not going to pick a Canadian to go on the bachelor. Like there's no way I was in a really, really good place around 29 after doing all this work and she submitted everything for me. It was just the right timing in life. I could not have done that show or gotten to where I am today if I was in my younger twenties, but I had really done so much work on myself through therapy for two years that going on that show at that time was like exactly where I was supposed to be. And it led me to all these different 
like businesses now that I love to run. I'm now podcasting where I'm such a manifester. And at 24, I had a list written out that I'd look at every day on my mirrors that said I would have my own radio show, that I would be on TV, that I would be an entrepreneur. Like I had all these things written out and I didn't even remember it until my girlfriend sent me a screenshot of it. And she was like, look where you're at. And I was like, that's so crazy, but it all happened from hitting rock bottom. Yeah, no, that, that is a wild story. That must've been really for the, for the guy in Germany. He must've oh. been okay. Now well, you we used to watch the bachelor together all the time. So it was so funny for him. And I mean, now he's married with two kids and I'm really That's happy really for him. Where they're meant to be. I mean, I really yeah. do think like, I mean, I'm sure, I don't know if you look at it like this, but I feel grateful for any of those relationships that don't work out for where you end up, because like, this is Same. obviously amazing. Even, even my last one, you know, like engaged for three years, again, thinking this is, this is my person and slowly over the years, probably similar to you where you're just like, I think we would be better as friends. Like we do have a friendship relationship, but like romantically, it's like there's issues and there's insecurities and there's problems. And I just learned so much from that relationship as well, going into my next relationship. And I learned so much about myself and what I want. And it's, there is always like a benefit to, to those hard times. I remember reading some comments you had given on your engagement ending and the reason behind it. And I remember really relating to what you were saying, like mm-hmm. I told get where she's coming from with this, because I think it was very similar to like the situation that I was experiencing. Mm-hmm. By the way, I, I think I mentioned on your show that I had dated, I dated a hockey player in college. Yeah. We dated for four years. And so I kind of did the similar thing. He played out in Fresno and then he was playing for the Sharks in Massachusetts. Like it was like wow. the little vacation with everybody yeah. and my best friend, same thing. And I think she was in Germany. I would love to know what the timing and what the City wild because she was in Germany. Also, she moved, followed her hockey player boyfriend, yeah. got engaged. They ended up getting married, and they they actually split up after three months of being together. Really, kind of thing. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of these relationships that I, you know, just women our age have in their mid twenties. I've started to say to people like, maybe hold off on you know the the serious commitments because I feel like, and I hate to say this because again, I feel like I sound cynical, but it almost feels like those are kind of like your practice relationships, like where you're, you have so much left to still figure out before you should really be in like the one. Yeah. And I feel like there's a lot of pressure or it's just kind of a societal thing that we're supposed to like kind of get married and figure it out when we're in our late twenties. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That it feels like if you haven't, like you're doing something wrong. And so I personally feel like I chose to settle down because of that. That was like the biggest thing. And like you said, you feel like you're 27 and you should have it figured out by now and you're having to start over. And I almost wonder if you would have even felt so overwhelmed if you had felt less pressure to have everything figured out at 27. Yeah, probably not. Like there is so much pressure. I think it's starting to shift and change a little bit with the pressure of, you know, like there's so much empowerment. Like I I froze my eggs and I felt like that was one of the most empowering things I've ever done because I'm like, it does take the pressure off and it does smash that biological clock that's apparently ticking. And again, nothing to women who are actually happily married and settled down and we're in that relationship when they're 25 and they have kids. Like obviously people are all different, but for me personally, I'm like, I just have seen how much I've grown in the last however many years that 
I am going to be in such a better place to be a mom when that time comes, if that time comes because of all of the traveling and experiences and situations and and relationships and certain things that I've gone through in my life to, I don't know, put me where I need to be, to be my best self as a mom. What would your one piece of advice then be for somebody who found themselves in a similar situation to where you were when you were at rock bottom in Germany? Cause there, I know I get messages all the time from people who are like, what do I do? I think I need to get out of this, but I'm not sure. What would you say? Be selfish. I think you have to be selfish and put yourself first. And I think it's always about knowing that like time is what you're going to need. So you have to know that you're going to go through such like a hell hole of time, like where you're just going to be so depressed and sad But like the other side of that is so much better than what you're in right now that it's so worth it. And the amount you learn about yourself and the strength you feel coming out of it is so life-changing that I feel like being selfish is, is the best thing you can do in those times. Like you just, you can't, you have to think about yourself and put yourself first because otherwise you're stuck and nobody wants to be stuck. (laughs) I struggle definitely a little bit with that of wondering like, at what point are you supposed to be a partner with someone and try to work through everything and knowing when it's just not like when to be selfish. Right. Pull the plug. I think that's hard, you know, because that's another ideal we're sort of all taught is like when you meet this person, you're supposed to just like it's you, the two of you against the world, no matter what. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's just, it's really hard when it kind of devolves from that. You know, though, I mean, you'll, Sometimes you do feel like it's you and that person against the world. And sometimes you know that that it's so hard because you so it's to realize the difference between wanting that to be your person and knowing it's your person because so many times you want that to be your person. And so you make it work for so long because you want it. And like, why wouldn't you make it work if that's what you want? And you're taught that that's what you do in relationships. You fight for it. You don't give up. But sometimes you just have to give up because you have to know what's best for you. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, for me, it definitely came down to like my actual physical well-being. And I feel like it's like a similar thing for you. It's like if you're Mm -hmm. physically unwell and the root of that is your romantic relationship, like that's. There's always a root to the problem. And if it's your relationship, that says a lot. (laughs) (laughs) What's your favorite on this same kind of topic? What's your favorite thing to do as like a wellness ritual? Oh, I love anything. Tell me me more than one. If you've got multiple, I've got multiple. One is having my, you've got your gynecologist on speed dial. I have my therapist, like I have my gynecologist. (laughs) No, but really part of my well-being is therapy. I always joke that I skip in and out of my therapy sessions because I'm just so happy to be there and doing that. And I've just seen the benefit for myself, but I would say therapy is definitely part of my well-being. I'm really, really big into meditating. I try and do it every day. You use an app yeah, I do. I use Headspace or Calm. Those are the two that I go back and forth between. I always want to be that person that can meditate with no help or no guided app, but I can't. And that's okay. <laughs> same, same way. I need Headspace. Yeah. Yeah. It really, it just makes a huge difference. And then honestly, it's listening to my body. A well-being thing for me is like, if I want a glass of wine or two, I'm going to have that. If I want to sleep until two in the afternoon, because that's what my body is telling me it needs, I'm going to do that. It sounds easy to me to, to listen to your body, but it's actually a lot harder than, than it sounds. Like it's a feeling that you have. If, if you need to sleep, don't feel guilty about it. If you feel like drinking, don't feel guilty about it. If it makes you feel like crap, then you should feel guilty about it. Right. You have to just listen and, and do things that make you feel good, even if it's not what other people's wellness routine is. So mine's therapy, <laughs> sleeping, no, I, drinking. <laughs> I, 
<laughs> Those sound like great wellness rituals to me. What you're saying that being in tune with your body mm-hmm. is the key to all of that. Because I mean, I can remember in college, my diet consisted of like pizza, cocoa puffs, hot chocolate from this vending machine, yeah. like multiple bowls of cocoa puffs every day. It was like literally just all sugar and sugar. Yeah. And I had like the most horrible digestive issues. Yeah. Horrible. And I never took the time to think, oh, <laughs> what is going on? What's nutrition? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like no clue what nutrition was whatsoever. Yeah. And it's amazing. I mean, I felt terrible all the time. I'm sure there was a lot of alcohol mixed in with all of that. Yeah. And it was amazing how when I actually, I went to this place called We Care Spa out in the desert here in California. And I, you know, when you're there, they do this, this liquid cleanse and it's, it's not to lose weight. It's just to give your digestive tract a break, yeah. um, colonics while you're there. And they really teach you about nutrition. And I was so blown away by just like, the simple little things that I can make changes to like drinking lemon water every morning or like these little things that are not a big deal to get into your life, but truly change like the entire way you function. And now I can identify when like one thing is off. I'm like, Oh, I think I need, you know, they're like, it's so much easier. And I think it's definitely helps with overall wellness and happiness. Just being really, it really does. Especially like for women, I think who have to go through a period every month, being aware of what your emotions are around that time, having a little more grace for yourself around that time. If you are, you know, eating a little unhealthier or sleeping more or moody or whatever you are, like give yourself some forgiveness there because that's like clockwork we're doing every month to, to go through that. And and I think it's being in tune with your body in that way too. Yeah. What is the state, a favorite song of yours that puts you in a good mood? Uh, Ocean Eyes by Billie Eilish. Oh my gosh. She not a, did you see the documentary? Uh, it's on my list. I can't wait. I love her. And I know I'm going to fall more in love with her. Yeah. She, she is truly just incredibly talented. But one of the things that I definitely took away from it was being really young and living in a world that is so much, you know, like your world revolves around your friends mm-hmm. at that age. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting because she's this incredibly talented, powerful woman and she doesn't see herself that way yet. Hmm. And I want to just go like, everything's going to be okay. Like you're, you're like killing it already. And like, you're yeah. you know, like the things that she's amongst her friend community putting up with. It's like, she, honestly, I kind of felt like more inspired to share these kind of hardship stories because of even watching her documentary. Yeah. Here's this amazing woman. And even she's dealing with the bullshit that we all did, you know? Yeah. It's nice to see that. I always think of what would I want to see growing up? What did I need through my twenties or through my teens? Like I kind of want to be that for, for some people, even though I don't think people in their teens should be following me, (laughs) but like, I always wonder what I would have needed in that time. And I feel like a documentary like that would have been something I could have benefited from. So I hope, I hope young girls are watching that too. Yeah, I think that she's definitely serving a really amazing purpose for young women. That generation specifically, it's like such a difficult generation, I think, to be growing yeah. up in. Yeah. And yeah, and she's she's definitely very inspirational. But by the way, I would disagree. I think young women should be 
watching your or listening to you watching you because well, you. you're such a good example of this is like what women should be like you know like you should have self-awareness and own your opinions and own your thoughts and be open mind and speak about whatever it is that you want to talk about thank you I guess I'm only thinking of when I'm like drinking and swearing on there which I'm like <laughs> when my niece uh, my niece is like I saw your story I'm like no <laughs> well how has that changed because originally when you were doing your podcast you would always drink wine right wasn't that yeah. kind of like the whole idea behind it I still usually do. It just depends on what time of day <laughs> I'm podcasting. I pushed you to start earlier today. So 11 a.m. I was like, ah, oh, if it was in an hour, maybe no. Yeah, it depends. But also if I have, I have a workout over Zoom at like 2.30 today. So I'm like, yeah, I'm probably not going to drink. <laughs> so what are you, cause I'm, I need to do a workout today for sure. And that's something I'm going to do online. Oh, um, this, no, this guy's insane. His name's Kevin Klug and he his brother, his twin played in the NFL and he's like, he trains athletes. And so I used him before I went on dancing with the stars, because I was like, I want to get in the best shape of my life before going on there. And so I've been lifting like really heavy weights. And so before we came into quarantine, we got like some 40 pound dumbbells and 25 pounds. And so he's going to put me through just some serious weightlifting today. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to be doing anything like that. I was thinking maybe some yoga. <laughs> Before we go, I want to ask you if there's anyone in your life who's going through something really challenging or just a hard time right now, who you would want everyone listening today to send positive thoughts to. Oh, like say their name. You don't have to say their name. It can just be like a general, you know, what something they're going through when you'd like everybody to kind of just have like a positive energy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I have a couple people come to mind, but my one friend she's become a really close friend of mine in Nashville. She is incredible. And her dad found a brain tumor and he's been going through chemo and he's actually doing really well. So I just want to keep the positive vibes going for her and that family because they're so incredible. And he, again, he is, he is doing well. So I just want to keep that positive energy going for him. Oh, that's great. I'm happy to hear that he's doing well. We'll definitely in our thoughts. Mm -hmm. Thank you. It's been so much fun having you on today. And I loved being on your show as well. Thank um, you. And I wish you all the best with this new <laughs> hosting gig. <laughs> I can't wait. I, I'm definitely watching now. Well, yeah, um, it'd be rude if you didn't. No, exactly. We're no. friends now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. It was great talking. The Bright Side is a production of Embassy Row. Our executive producer is Sarni Rogers. This episode was produced by Alexa Machia and Anna Marie Johnson. The show is edited by Maureen Begas. Our theme music is by Maddie Noyes. You can follow me on Instagram at, at Caitlin, K-A-I-T-L-Y-N-N, or email the show at thebrightsidewithkc at gmail.com. Have a happy day. Oh, I never